This Claves Online exclusive podcast is brought to you by Fast Eddie's Bonaire, powered by Ameren, Illinois. Hey, Mike Claiborne here. And by the way, thanks for listening to ClavesOnline.com. Before we go any further, coming up next, I want to introduce you to one of my friends from Ameren, Illinois. He's the vice president of gas operations. He is Eric Kozak. That's right. They're not just an electric company. They're also a gas delivery provider. Now, when you talk about smelling and locating gas and the potential for you to have a problem, what are some of the problems and some of the issues a customer could have aside from as the eventual, perhaps an explosion of some sort. So what are some of the other concerns you try and maintain? Yeah, so our number one concern is uh, calling 811 before you dig. 811 is a national number. People will come out and they will mark the lines for you and let you know where your gas service is. So if you're putting in a basketball hoop or you're putting in a bush, call 811. Because if you don't call 811, you might have to call 911. <laughs> and we want to prevent that call. So that's the main issue is people calling 811 before you dig so you know where the pipelines are in the ground. Is there a charge for that? There's no charge for 811. <laughs> in a situation where you're going to do some work, as you mentioned, how deep do you have to go before you would hit on a gas line? You know, I, if you're sticking in a shovel in the ground, you should call 811. You know, we don't, uh, you know, we put our uh, pipes in, you know, 24 inches for service and 30 inches, but landscape change over time. You know, different things happen. You don't know what the previous homeowner did. He might have took a bunch of dirt off. So if you're going to stick a shovel in the ground, you need to call 811 before you dig. And I just want people to know that, you know, natural gas is a clean, reliable, safe fuel. But like any source of energy, it can be dangerous. So if you do smell gas, you know, pick up the phone and call us. We respond 24-7, seven days a week, no charge, ever. And we respond on average within 22 minutes. Over 33,000 calls a year we get, and our average response time is around 22 minutes. And I think that's pretty good. I think it's impressive. So that's, that's the main thing is. And have your equipment checked out, and it's a wonderful product you can use for many, many years worry-free. It's always a treat to visit with our good friend Tim Kirchin of ESPN and everybody knows you from ESPN and the great job you do broadcasting wise but you are a heartfelt writer so how long have you been in the business? This is my 40th spring training as a writer. I've been on television for a long time. I've spent a fortune on clothes. <laughs> I wear more makeup than my wife and I spend a lot of time walking around in a circle talking to myself. You know how this works now Mike but I'll always be a writer first. Uh, there's nothing more satisfying to me than writing a really good story, or in my case, writing a couple of three books, which I have, which is great. And I still think the written word lives in this country. It's not what it used to be, but I still love to write a good story, and I'll always feel that way. And I would imagine for you, especially in the role of ESPN, the writing experience certainly has helped you become the effective person that you become. Absolutely. Everything I've learned to do on the radio and on television is what writing taught me to do. As a beat writer, it taught me where to look for the story, how to write the story, how to write it quickly, how to organize everything. So I tell all young people, anyone who asks, if you can learn to write first, then you've got a chance to do anything. Because writing taught me how to do television, writing had it taught me how to do the radio, and basically everything else that I do. And you know, the, the neat thing about that is with technology today, the deadline are quicker um, you have a lot more information to your disposal and I think it makes it fun but if you tell one of these young 
people who want to get in the business how it was 20 years ago, 25 years ago, where you had to have a deadline and you were hooking up a phone to send it over. I mean, there were so many different things that took place in getting a story filed compared to how things unfold today, along with the same thing that it would exist in radio and TV. Right. I'm so old, Mike, that I used to use a typewriter, and I would type a story, and then we would fax it to the office. That's how long I've been doing this. The computer age has changed everything. And, and not always for the better, also. I mean, we, we got our stories in. We never missed deadline. But making deadline was the most important thing that we learned as young writers in the, in the business. An editor once told me, you're not here to make art. You're here to make deadline. And I've remembered that ever since. And same goes for television. The show was on at 1 o'clock. The show was on at 10 o'clock. You better be ready. Let's talk a little bit about the game itself. Um, let's start with Houston. A lot of damage was done. Some people lost their jobs. They brought in some new people. Give me your thoughts on how we arrived at this and, and where do we go from here? Well, we arrived at this because we didn't do enough to stop it. I heard the rumors for years, but I wasn't sure what to do with it. And it took Mike Fires to really blow the whistle before we moved on from this. So we have to look at this in a positive way. At least we've identified the problem. At least we're going to do some things to change the issue. And maybe we should shut off all the monitors and all the TVs once the game starts. Maybe we should have no more computers going in the dugout or around it. That's our best hope to cut to get rid of this. But significant damage has been done here, Mike. You know this. This game has been stained now forever by this scandal. And it's going to take a full year at least to get past the story. I think it's going to be the common thread that runs through the entire season. Wherever the Astros go, that's what people are going to be talking about. And every strange sound and every strange wire you see on a player, there's going to be something on Twitter and we're going to react to it. This is not a good way to open a season. Let's just hope we can move past it as quickly as possible and start to concentrate on the game. With that said, a lot of people complain about the commissioner not doing more, taking the championship away, suspending players. But had the players not cooperated in them being them getting immunity, could we have gotten as far as we have? No, look, the commissioner's made a lot of mistakes through this, but I don't think he could have punished the Astros the way he did and gotten to the bottom of this without the cooperation of the players. And once you tell them you have immunity, then you simply can't punish them. I thought the initial punishment was harsh, but I thought it was it was justified, and I think he did the right thing. What the Astros did after that, I didn't see that coming, firing the manager and the general manager. But in the end... It's an unprecedented move to take away a championship. And if you take that away from the Astros, you know, the 1951 Dodgers are going to say, no, what, what about us? The Giants were cheating that year, supposedly. So you open up a big-time can of worms if you do that. I think there's an imagine. I know there's an imaginary asterisk over that championship, and people for the rest of time will know something fishy went on there. Let's move on to the game on the field. You've had a chance to see the St. Louis Cardinals. Give me your thoughts, and give me your thoughts on a division at one time I thought was the best in the National League. I think it's now the National League East with all those, their teams. But let's start with the Cardinals. Cardinals are better than I thought from what I saw this spring. Their pitching is better than I thought. Some of these young guys have really come forward. Carlos Martinez looks like he's ready to rejoin the rotation. And once they get Miles Michaelis back after a month, then that rotation is going to be, I think, really good. 
Jordan Hicks, let's say, at the All-Star break. Now the bullpen is a whole lot better. I think they won with pitching and defense last year. I think they're going to have to do the same this year, and I think they have a chance to have better pitching than they did last year. You know, the Gants and the Gombers and the Daily Ponce de Leones, these guys could be in rotations for other teams, and they might not make the rotation on this team. That speaks to the depth of pitching that they have. And if I was them, I'd hold on to every one of them because you're going to need them before the season's over with. Pitching is at a premium once again. Mike, we don't break camp with five pitchers now. We break with 12. You better have five, six, seven in reserve, knowing you're going to need them at some point. And the rest of the division is not great. This is a winnable division. The Cubs maybe took a slight step backwards. So did the Brewers. The Reds have taken two steps forward. But I think this is a very competitive division. But I left Jupiter thinking... I think the Cardinals are the best team in the division again, but not by much. Best team in the National League. I think it's the Dodgers, and I frankly don't think there's a close second at this point. I just saw the Dodgers the other day, and the attitude in that room, maybe it means nothing, I believe it does, is pretty strong. They just added one of the five best players in the game who's going to make their outfield defense even better. He's going to give them a leadoff guy that they haven't had, and he's going to add a championship caliber pedigree to that clubhouse. David Ortiz is, I mean, David Price is going to be their third starter. So Betts and Price, I think, really make them, take them from the best team in the league to the clear best team in the league. Yeah, they, they do have a lot working for them. I don't think anybody's going to argue that. What about the National League Eastern Division? I mentioned you've got the world champions in Washington. They're going to be down a little bit. They've lost a couple of good players. But when you look at the Mets, it seems like they're making a statement. Atlanta really good ball club and then there's philadelphia i mean you've got some really good teams and with philadelphia having joe girardi an experienced manager who knows how far they can go yeah i think this is now like you said the best team and best division in baseball the nationals can win it the braves can win it the phillies can win it and i think the mets can win the division too and one of those teams is going to finish fourth it's going to be a pretty darn good fourth place team i'm not sure the nationals are going to be able to overcome anthony <laughs> rendon but their pitching is really really good the phillies are demonstrably better D.D. Gregorius adds an element they didn't have last year. Uh, Wheeler's going to really make them better. And they, the discipline and the regimented style of Joe Girardi is going to work for the Phillies. That's what they needed last year, in my mind. So I think the Phillies have a chance to be much, much better. And so do the Mets if, of course, their great pitching stays healthy. Two final questions for our good buddy Tim Kirchin. One, what's the story aside from the Astros and the Boston Red Sox that you're going to follow that we should start paying attention to? And also, the new rule change, the three batter minimum, how long do you think that's going to take before managers really understand how to utilize it? Well, I haven't met one manager yet who's in favor of that rule. And Mike, we keep talking about pace of play and speeding up the game. This is gonna, this is gonna save 40 seconds per game. And I'm not sure it's worth doing that. I'm not in favor of this. I think this is, I think managing is really hard to do. I think this puts you in another box. And we'll see how it goes for the season. And if everyone says it's a really bad rule, baseball is in a position to say, all right, we're not doing that again the year after. As for the other stories beyond the Astros and science stealing, I need to take a look at the baseball this year because the ball was flying out at a historic rate again last year. Virtually half the players I talked to said this is a different baseball. It's harder. It's smaller. The seams are lower. So we need to see what the home run rate looks like because I'm sorry, I love this more than anyone, but there were too many homers last year. And with that came too many walks and too many strikeouts. We need a little bit more stuff in the middle. And I'll touch on this. I think baseball is going to have to deal with the substance 
the pitchers are using as well. That might be the next Pandora's box that nobody wants to open as well. Right, and we're going to see crackdowns on that perhaps. And again, baseball has changed more, Mike, in the last five years than it did in my first 35 years covering. We get changes all the time. Some are good, some aren't so good. I just hope we're not trying to appeal to a bunch of 22-year-olds who might not like the game anyway, and we do it at the expense of a game that has been a brilliantly played game for 150 years. Tim Kirch and ESPN, it's always good to visit with you. Have a great season, and hopefully we'll see you in St. Louis in October, if not sooner. Right. I have a bunch of games in St. Louis, one of my favorite places to go. Good to see you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Hi, this is Mike Claiborne, and thanks for listening to ClavesOnline.com. And before we go any further, I'd like for you to take a listen to one of my friends from Ameren, Illinois. He's their vice president of gas operations, Eric Kozak. <laughs> That's right, I said gas operations because they're more than just an electric company. When you think about electricity and natural gas, how many natural gas customers do you have in the state 816,000 gas customers in the state of Illinois that we serve. That's so. a big number. It is. It's a it's a big number and big responsibility. You know, we don't take that lightly, and uh, you know, it's a it's a privilege to serve the customers in the state of Illinois. And our and me and my coworkers, you know, we take that very seriously. So if you think about the state of Illinois, anything but pretty much Chicago and the Chicago suburbs is served by Ameren, Illinois. And so our service territory is actually uh, 44,000 square miles. It's bigger than the state of Indiana. That's a lot of coverage, and so when you think about coverage and we think about sources of energy, most people think of Ameren, Illinois for electricity, but natural gas is a major player in what you do. Yes, it is, uh, Mike. You know, natural gas, we, you know, like you said, Ameren, a lot of people think electricity, but Ameren, Illinois is made up of three companies that all had natural gas before, and those combined companies are a top 25 gas utility in the nation. We have over 18,000 miles of pipeline throughout the state. 12 uh, storage fields and uh, 1,250 miles of transmission lines that serve our customers. That's, that's a lot of property and a lot of coverage. So give me some of the uses for natural gas and some of the things it's being used for other than maybe being on a gas grill. Yeah, so I, you know, the easiest way for me to describe that is, uh, you know, I built a house about 10, 12 years ago. So I have a gas furnace. I have a, it heats my home, obviously. I have a gas water heater. I have a natural gas dryer. I have a gas stove for cooking my food and oven. I also have a gas uh, fireplace, which also serves as a little furnace for my living room. And I have a gas grill, as you mentioned, for cooking my food. So I got six appliances in my house that run on natural gas. So you're covered with gas, or in this case, cooking with gas. Yeah, I'm cooking with, with gas, gas, right. 